Uh, I'm going to start out by moving this <laughs> uh, with an addendum to last week's sermon. <laughs> I have never had the kind of response to a sermon I've had this week where people kept coming up to me and telling me I was wrong. <laughs> and uh, not, not in... Not in uh, what the scripture said, but in, in application. And by the way, nobody was so cruel as to say, you're wrong. But uh, I, I, uh, I heard it enough that I took it to the, the men's breakfast yesterday morning. I said, hey guys, here's what's going on. Here's what I've been hearing. And, and so last week was, was lead us not in temptation. Uh, but I'm sorry, that's this week. Uh, we forgive, for, forgive us our debts, even as we also have forgiven our debtors. And I talked about, uh, nobody argued with me about that we should forgive. Nobody argued with me about uh, the conditional nature of, of forgiveness. Uh, but a lot was on my application where I said, go to the person in person and talk to them about it. And, and uh, I have to admit, looking at that, that was my advice not found in Scripture. <laughs> and what I kept hearing was there were different situations where it might not be best to go to the person and, and, and talk to them personally. And uh, we talked about it yesterday with the men's breakfast, and pretty much that conclusion was supported. So, so even though I said you should go to the person and talk to them, I, I'll retract that. But I want to leave with that the, this consideration. Um, because there are situations where it might not be safe to go to the person. It might be, maybe situations where it's just not going to lead to peace. But there's other situations where to protect yourself, you say, I won't go to them in person. But it is actually, if you can go to the person and forgive them in person, you are not just freeing yourself in the sense that I've got it off my shoulders, so I'm free. You're also freeing them. Uh, and, and that's important when you can do that, to do that. So in forgiveness, when you can, uh, I'll, I'll stick to that. But otherwise, uh, glad to eat my words and back up. And move forward now to lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, okay? And uh, so as we move on in, in, in the Lord's Prayer, we move on to this part. So we have an enemy, and the enemy wants to hurt you. The enemy wants to destroy you. And if nothing else, he wants to at least slow you down and make you ineffective. So he plants minds in your path. He, he, he just takes the, I mean, this is a typical military strategy, been the strategy for as long as there have been bombs, to, to plant minds in, in the path of the enemy. Uh, and they can be highly destructive. They can hurt many people other than the intended victims, right? Uh, the enemy doesn't care. He's willing to do damage to anyone so that he has the chance that he might hurt you. Uh, and I could be talking about the army, and I could be talking about the Navy. I, I, I looked up minesweepers, and in my mind, minesweepers are people who clear the ground. But all of my hits were on the Navy. I'm going, wow. Okay, you know, I was stinking Navy. But <laughs> Sorry, Army joke. <laughs> uh, but I'm not talking about either the Army or the Navy because I'm talking about Satan. I'm talking about the, the, the temptations he plants about us in this world. Uh, today's passage asks God... To, to keep us from stepping into temptation and to deliver us when we are in temptation. So the first part, do not lead us into temptation. And the first thing you ask is, well, that's a weird thing to say. Would God actually lead us into temptation? Uh, it seems to be a weird request. And James, in, in uh, the book of James, uh, he tells us clearly in James chapter 1 that God does not lead us into temptation. Uh, when we're tempted, it's not from him. James chapter 1, verses 13 and 14 says this, No one 
is to say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. Okay, but each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. And he goes on with this progression into sin with temptation. But he says clearly, God does not tempt people. So why would we need to pray, lead us not into temptation? But I thought of some different stories. It's always uh, interesting if you, if you spend some time and think about, well, what, might, what story might go with this? And I thought about the story of Hezekiah. One of the kings of Israel, he was, he was, a, he was one of the good kings of Israel. He had won lots of different victories. He had, he had uh, by God's, it was while he was king that God delivered the people from the hand of the, the Assyrian army. And, and an angel, angel of the Lord came and killed 185,000 Assyrians in his time. And so it's during the time of Hezekiah, after that event, that we read this little bit in 2 King, or 2 Chronicles chapter 32, uh, verse 31. And it's, it's an, just an interesting verse to think about. 2 Chronicles chapter 32, verse 31. Even in the matter of the messengers of the rulers of Babylon who were sent to him to inquire about the wonder that had happened to the land, God left him alone only to test him so that he might know everything that was in his heart. God left him alone to test him. To find out what was in his heart. Where is he really? If I'm not there intervening, you know, God, then you, God is speaking. If I'm not there intervening and keeping this guy under reins, uh, under control, what's he going to do on his own? And, and Hezekiah, by the way, did foolishly in that event. <laughs> because he was, and, and I, by the way, I, am, I, I consider myself very dependent on God. I hope you do too. Uh, that that uh, aside from his intervention, we are going to wander astray. Uh, it's so easy to do. Uh, so those are, that's an interesting situation to think about. Wow, uh, he left him alone for a while to, to find out. Or we could go to, to, to uh, a couple of other passages that sound even, even stranger. 1 Kings chapter 22, uh, verses 19 through 23. 1 Kings 22, 19 through 23. So there, there's... Micaiah is a good prophet of God, and he is, he is uh, speaking before a couple of kings, and, and there's a bunch of false prophets there. And, and uh, they, they say, uh, come on, explain this thing, Micaiah, why are you the only one? So Micaiah says, therefore, hear the word of the Lord I saw sitting on his throne, and all his angels of heaven standing by him on his right and on his left. And the Lord said, who will entice Ahab to go up and fall at Ramoth Gilead? And one spirit said this, while another said that. Then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord and said, I will entice him. And the Lord said to him, how? And he says, I will go out and be a deceiving spirit in the mouths of all his prophets. Then he said, you shall entice him and you will also prevail. Go and do so. Now then, behold, the Lord has put a deceiving spirit in the mouths of all these prophets of yours. And the Lord has decreed disaster on you. You go, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> wait, this is just contrary to what we just read in James, is it not? Is this, what's going on here? And, and uh, you know, there are false prophets. They were dedicated to their idols. They were dedicated to their false gods. And God says, you're false prophets. I'll let you have a false prophecy because that's what you want. And, and, and we can explore that a lot more in depth and look at these things. But he gave them what they, they wanted. And it's really similar to some theology we find in the New Testament uh, describing the time of the Antichrist. And I want to flip to, second. I know I'm doing some real back and forth here, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 11. 
but I think it helps explain what's going on here. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 11, saith thusly, uh, For this reason, God will send upon them a deluding influence so that they will believe what is false in order that they may be judged who did not believe the truth but took pleasure in wickedness. In other words, because they refused to believe the truth, because they demanded the lie, God says, very well, here's a lie for you to, to live in. He, he didn't, he didn't uh, cause them to, to, to fall, he's, he's, but he's giving them the influence that they want. He allows the Antichrist to come in. He allows these false prophecies to come in. And God certainly allows people to be tempted. Uh, and, and it's not the same thing as God doing the tempting. But, but still, it all comes back to this phrase, Do, lead us not into temptation. And I don't know if I'm the only one that looks at verses and wonders. That sounds weird. I mean, maybe, maybe it feels sacrilegious or, 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 or heretical to say, well, God, you said that, but it sounds weird to me. But, but honestly, I think I, one of my beliefs, uh, one of my prevailing uh, modus operandi is to question Scripture. And what I've found is God is always big enough <laughs> to, to, to make it work and make sense. Uh, when you're afraid to tackle the hard parts of Scripture, that's when you're going to come up with what I believe is a shallow faith. When you are willing to tackle it and make God prove it, he always is sufficient to prove his scripture. Uh, and, and that is, is really affirming to me. But I think this prayer, lead us not into temptation, is actually simpler than this. It's, it's not so much lead me not into temptation, it's do not let me go into temptation. Do not let me do this kind of thing. Uh, because it, it just makes more sense. God, do not let me wander into a minefield. Protect me from that. Do not let me wander into a minefield. Because life has lots of minefields out there. Uh, the, the minefields of temptations that you might innocently wander into. Think of, think of unexpected opportunities to do, wrong, do the wrong thing. Right? Uh, and, and that may sound like a weird thing, you know, an opportunity to do the wrong thing. But that's what they are. Unexpected. You don't say, I'm going to go up and find some way to sin today. Right? You don't hop out of bed looking at that. But it's going to happen. You will, as you go through the day, something is going to present it to you and you will have, should you take, take it, an opportunity to sin, to do the wrong thing. Uh, and they're unexpected. You're not planning to cheat, but this thing just fell into your lap. I thought about cheating and I thought about taxes. You know, for the last, sorry, <laughs> for, for the last five or six years, I've been taking and having my taxes done. For my whole life before that, I did my own taxes, and I said, I'm not paying someone else to do, do taxes, because I can do them. And, I, and I, one time, I had paid someone to do them, and it actually came out, they, they did different ways and different things, but the amount I paid came out to be about the same. And I thought, but you know what I found? Is when I pay them to do my taxes, I don't fight any temptation in the whole process. But when I am doing my own taxes, every single number I write down fights me. It says, you could change this. You could make this better. So, so I pay someone to do my taxes because it protects me from a minefield. It's just temptation I don't have to fight. I, I, you know, that is worth money to me. Uh, it's, it's, so you're not cheat, planning to cheat, but this thing just fell into your lap. You weren't planning to steal, but look how easy it is. I just walked into his house, and there was a baby bottle full of money right there. You know? It's like it's said, take me. <laughs> he was just giving it away anyway. It doesn't hurt anything. I'll take it. See how easy that is to justify? How easy it is to do? I don't know why they're walking into my house, you know, but, but, but it would, it's like, that would be so easy. To, you, you're not planning. I mean, they, they might have been bringing it in because, 
The, the dog got out and putting the dog in the house. I, I don't know why, you know. Unexpected opportunity to steal. It would be so easy. You were not expecting to look at porn, but this just popped up, right? How often does that happen? Uh, my phone recently, for whatever reason, I've just been getting a ton of, of spam on my phone. And, and one of the things, one of the pieces of spam I get repeatedly, I just, you know, wipe them out, wipe them out, wipe them out, is Jessica has sent you seven pictures. Now, here's the problem. I know two Jessicas that go to this church and both have children. And one of them in particular posts pictures of her kids on Facebook and things like that, right? Uh, and, and, and it would be really easy for me to innocently go, oh, Jessica sent me some kids. Fortunately, it was in the middle of a bunch of other spam. <laughs> and so I knew this was not one of those Jessicas. <laughs> and I just wipe them out. But it would be so easy. Right? Not looking for something, but it's a minefield. You ha you're not aware, you're not trying, it's just there. And you have to be careful not to do it. Uh, and so, it, it, by the way, if and neither of our Jessicas are here today, so, so I feel better for that. But <laughs> I, I thought I hate to embarrass these poor girls that have done nothing wrong. But, but uh, if they actually did send me pictures of their kids, sorry, I didn't see them. <laughs> <You know? laughs> because I'm not, I'm not I, as my, you know, I don't want to enter that minefield either. And by the way, that's one of the deals that makes this work. This only works if you're actually trying to, to not sin. If you are out there oblivious and don't care, well, if I sin, that's a big deal. If I don't sin, it's a big deal. I don't mind. I didn't try to fight it. It just came my way. You know, and, and, and you want, are willing to justify yourself, then this, don't, don't waste your time praying this prayer. But if you care about sinning and you don't want to sin, then, dear Lord, do not lead me into temptation, but deliver me from evil. Okay, uh, Because it's a minefield out there. It's pretty easy to get into. And, and the contrast is that, you know, we're relatively quick to pray for physical protection. Why, don't, why aren't we as quick to pray for spiritual protection? Because, you know, you're getting ready to go on a trip. You say, hey, I'd like travel mercies, right? Don't want the car to break down. Don't want to uh, have an accident. Don't want to, you know, have various problems happen. So travel mercies. You're going to get deployed. You pray for safety. Yeah, of course you do. Uh, icy roads, you pray for safety. You're going on an airplane, you pray for safety. You're going out to cut firewood. Your wife prays for your safety. Because, <laughs> believe me, I know Joan prays for my safety every time I go out to cut firewood. She worries about me. Bethany is like the worry queen of the world when it comes to me. She, she just knows because she knows I'm an idiot. <laughs> and, and I'm going to do something, you know, that maybe not be the wisest thing to do and so they pray for me because they want me to be safe and, and I go out and I don't usually think to pray for me unless that tree is falling my direction <laughs> they go oh lord I had one tree once this tree was right up against the barbed wire and, and you, know, you always leave yourself a way to run if something goes wrong and this tree I didn't have a way to run because the barbed wire was there and there's a hill, and there's the tree, and so I prayed a lot for that tree. And it went exactly right. So pray for your trees. But, but, but we pray, if we pray for physical safety, why would we not pray for spiritual safety? Why would we not pray for God to protect us from temptation? You know, we pray because we're concerned about our safety. Well, then we should be concerned about the safety that really matters. And, and by the way, it's one thing to pray for a person for physical safety. But what about praying for another person for spiritual safety? Does that not feel a little bit odd? You know, if you start praying, Dear Lord, protect Pastor Steve from temptation. 
What are you accusing me of? <laughs> what problem do you think I have? <laughs> it feels a little bit weird to do that. It sounds like you're accusing them of something. So don't make that a part of your public prayer. Right? Please, Jeremy, don't add, and by the way, protect Pastor Steve from temptation this week. <laughs> you know? Which, by the way, is not a bad prayer. Because Pastor Steve needs protection from temptation every sinking week. But please don't pray it up here. <laughs> make it part of your private prayer. Don't make it part of your public prayer. Uh, it's good, still a good thing to pray, to pray. And it's not just a good thing to pray for other people. But we should all pray this for ourselves because we all get tempted. And when, it's, when I talk about things, you know, I hit poor and I always hit that's a hot button, right? A hot thing and it's a current constant battle for a lot of people. But, but it's, it's not the only one out there. We all. It's not just, not just men or dirty old men that get tempted. It's all of, we all have our temptations. Every, there's not one person here who can say, oh man, I don't get tempted. Uh, you, you liar. <laughs> you know, because you do. Uh, so you can pray it for others, but you should definitely pray it for yourself. And you can pray this prayer more effectively for yourself than I can because you know your weaknesses better than I do. You know what temptations hit you. You know what you fail at. Lord, don't let me be tempted by drugs today because that is where I am tempted. Lord, don't let me be tempted by porn today because that is why I am tempted. Lord, keep me away from dot, 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 right? Whatever it might be. Don't let me see this. Don't let me be tempted by whatever it is that comes up today. Right? Protect me from those things. And, and, and uh, to not pray that prayer, to say, you know, I, I'm not going to pray that prayer. I'm not going to pray, Lord, protect me from temptation. Apparently you think the issue isn't that important. Apparently you think it's not that big a deal. But Jesus didn't anywhere put in here, pray me, protect me from physical protection or from physical harm. He only prayed for protection from spiritual harm in this model prayer of his. Uh, where are his priorities? Because he didn't see it, see it that way. He did say, pray for spiritual safety. He said, pray for protection from temptation. Lead me not into temptation. And then he says, but deliver us from evil. And, and, and we can get distra distracted on this if we're not careful. Because is it deliver me from evil or deliver me from the evil one? Because if you're following along in your Bible, your Bible either says, protect, deliver me from evil or deliver us from evil, or deliver us from the evil one, right? And so I did my little survey. The King James, the English Standard Version, and the New American Standard say, deliver us from, protect us, uh, deliver us from evil. The New King James Version, the NIV, the Holman Standard Version, and the New Living Trans Translation all say the evil one. So by a majority of four to three, it's obviously... No. <laughs> uh, the problem in this is, is the word the. Uh, because, and, and you don't see this in, in English, but this is where you, the, the Greek word the is added there. And so what it says in Greek, protect us from the evil. Okay? And so that could imply a, 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 a being at the end of the evil, the evil one, and that's normal Greek usage. Or it could be reflecting back on the temptation. And, and, and it's one or the other. So, so it's either de delivers from the evil or delivers from the evil one. And some, some of our translators say it's this one, and some of our translators say it's that one. And, and we're either asking to be delivered from the tempter, or we're asking to be delivered from the temptation. 
And that might be a major difference, but it's a minimal change in what we're seeking ultimately, which is God's protection in the face of temptation. And I think if we want to follow this so that we actually get true value of it, we don't look at the word evil and try to figure out if it's evil or evil one, but we look at the word deliver. Deliver us from evil. Because deliver is a different word from lead us not. Because deliver, you don't deliver someone from something that might happen. You deliver from someone from something that is happening. Right? Deliver is from something you are in right now. Deliver me from this snare, from this trap, from this pit. You know, rescue me out of this thing that I'm in. That's what it is to deliver someone from something. Potential problems are prevented. Deliverance is for problems that are actual. Right? And, and we find it's not the same thing stated twice. Two related things, but different requests. Protect me from new temptations. Deliver me from the ones I'm already battling. Or I'm already caught by. Or already struggling with. Deliver me from the temptations or the tempter that has me. Right? And, and you find out that an important word is, is uh, deliverance. Hebrews 12.1 is following the Heroes Hall of Faith of Hebrews chapter 11, where we have name after name and example after example after example of people who were faithful in the battle to, to, against sin and battle to do good. Uh, and, and then we get to chapter 12, verse 1, and he says, Therefore, because of this, because we see this in all these people, therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us rid ourselves of every obstacle and the sin which so easily entangles us and run with endurance the race that is set before us. And the sin we must be delivered from is the sin that so easily entangles us. And entangle is such a powerful word. Imagine trying to run a race when your feet are entangled in something. Right? You are entangled. You need to be delivered from that so you can run the race because you cannot run the race while your feet are entangled. <laughs> I'm laughing because Wednesday nights, lately, I've been out and playing games with the cubbies. The cubbies are the little ones because I can run around the circle with them. <laughs> and, and this week, Judah runs better if I run with him. And, and that kid's fast, right? And so he's holding my hand. We're running around that circle. And he took a spill. And I, you know, weigh a little bit more than Judah. And I had to jump. To not land on him. I, I was, you know, we wanted to have an example of entangling. That's what I'm thinking of. And I jumped and I almost did my own wipe out, which would have been slightly more elaborate than his, right? And I turned around to see if he was okay and he went, zoom! <laughs> Little snot. <laughs> and he was around his pin and I'm standing there looking. My feet were entangled. You can't run. You have, to, you have to stop. You have to fix the problem. Free us from the sin that so easily entangles us. King James calls, says, besets us, and, and we have this phrase, our besetting sin. Free me from my besetting sin. And we all have sins that fit the category of besetting, and they may not be the same. Right? If we were to do an honest, and, and we're not going to do this, but to honestly sit down and, and chart you know, what our greatest sins were, there would be a lot of the same ones. 
but there wouldn't, they wouldn't all be the same, and there would be different categories that stand out and others that are smaller and things like that. Uh, they're, they're not unique to us in that way, but they're unique to us in that they are specifically our besetting sins. And the one that ties me up might not be the one that ties you up. But deliver me from my besetting sin. Deliver me from the sin that ensnares me, from the sin that, that keeps me from being able to run the race well. That deliver me because it has me. It's in it. The sin that trips you up and spoils your efforts to serve Christ. And it is impossible to effectively serve Christ while caught in the sin any more than it is possible to run a race while your feet are entangled. You can't do it. Consider the qualifications of an elder. Um, and this is an intimidating thing to look at. 1 Timothy chapter 3. This is an elder or an overseer. I mean, elder over, the word overseer, elder or pastor. It is a trustworthy statement. If any man aspires to the office of overseer, it is a fine work he desires to do. An overseer then must be above reproach. The husband of one wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, skillful in teaching, uh, not overindulging in wine, not a bully, but gentle, not contentious, free from the love of money. He must be one who manages his own household well, keeping all his children under control with all dignity. But if a man does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of the church of God? And not a new convert, so that he will not become conceited and fall into the condemnation incurred by the devil. And he must, not, and he must have a good reputation with those outside the church, so that he will not fall into disgrace and the snare of the devil. And what's it saying? A man who has de demonstrated he is not ensnared by sin. Which is not the same thing as having temptations. Right? There's a difference between having temptations and being ensnared by the temptations. Right? The temptation is this gal sending me, or whoever it is, you know, whatever gr scam group is sending me these things. That's the temptation. I'm entangled if I start opening them. Right? If I start giving into it, I become entangled. Uh, just so you know, I have not had... <laughs> uh, because it's important. It's important that I not have, that, that, I, that I be, not, not just me, but, but those who we choose as leaders of our church are those who have demonstrated, at least in an overall sense, a victory over these things, to not be ensnagled. We look entangled. In, I made a new word there, didn't I? Ensnagled? <laughs> uh, the same thing is required of a deacon, just following that. The people we pick for these offices are those who have shown themselves to have overcome their besetting sins. doesn't mean the temptations aren't still there. Like I've told you many times, I don't drink at all. Why not? Because I know what happens, or in the past, what has happened when I do. I'm not going to allow the, it to, to get its hands back on me, right? Uh, I'm not going to allow that to happen. I'm going to stay away from my besetting sins uh, as much as I can. Uh, we try to do that. Hebrews says to throw off those sins. Matthew, and, and by the way, there's a big difference between Hebrews, throw off those sins that so easily entangle you. Uh, and Matthew's saying, deliver us from temptation. Hebrews is talking about our effort that is required to do it, but Matthew says, God, please do this. Please do this for me. You know, anybody who has ever battled temptation, right? Sometimes it'd be nice to have a little help in that. Yeah. Be nice to have a little help battling that temptation. It... it it, it, because we get to ask God for the help, that's why we know victory is possible. Because this whole world is out there fighting temptations, and we have 10-step programs and 12-step programs and, and, you know, for all sorts of 
things out there, and everybody in the world is battling some kind of, of issue. And, 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 you know, ask any smoker who's relapsed, you know, was a stopped smoker who's relapsed and is smoking again, how easy it is. You say, that's not easy. No, it's, it's not. Isn't it nice to know you can ask God for help and not be dependent on your own? why we know victory is possible because it doesn't come from our strength but God's past defeat does not demand future failure uh, it, it simply does not Lord the sin has got me and I am trapped in the middle of a minefield please deliver me from this it works doesn't it, it, it and it's important to note that Matthew 6, 9 through 13, what we call the Lord's Prayer, is, is a model prayer. Uh, a model is a, or you know another word for that? A template. <laughs> something to be repeated again and again. Something to be used for future reference. And if we pray it as a rote ritual liturgy, it, it may lose a lot of that power. But if we look at it as a model for what to pray, then it doesn't. And by, by you saying it that way, my point is that it's a prayer to be repeated. Not, not necessarily word for word, but as a guide to follow when we pray. And, and you know, Lord, today, lead me not into temptation. Lead me away from temptation. Protect me from temptation. Protect me from that desire. Protect me from things that are going to place it in front of me. Uh, Lord, protect me because I want to be right before you. I want to be holy. We sing that song. I want to be holy. I desire to be holy. Holiness, holiness. It's what I long for. If you long for it, then you know what the great opposite of holiness is? is sinfulness. And sinfulness is what we easily fall into. If you desire to be holy and you mean it, then, then this has to be part of your prayer. Because the tempter doesn't quit. Right? Satan left Jesus. Jesus was tempted three times. Satan left. Ha! Deal done. All over. Jesus hadn't faced his greatest temptation yet. That was yet to come. Satan, Satan quit for a while, but he came back. If he's going to come back for Jesus, you think he's going to let you off the hook? The tempter does not quit because you overcame one temptation. And you go, oh man, guess I'm done with this guy. He sharpens up his blade, gets ready to come back again. A minefield is not gone because you avoided one mine. It's still out there. So while specific temptations may vary, uh, God's deliverance, you pray for God. And when I say they vary over, the, over, over your life, you know, you go along, you may overcome this, you may overcome that. These ones don't come into play anymore, uh, but there's other things that are going to come along. Those things may vary as you go about life, as you gain victories in life. Uh, you may have God's deliverance in some, but pray for God's deliverance in others because we never graduate from that. And so if you would pray for God's protection and deliverance in physical matters uh, that are here and gone, for this temporary life that's, that's a, a, a mist, a vapor that will hardly be remembered, right? Won't you pray for protection and deliverance in spiritual matters that are eternal and have eternal consequences? So, so do pray, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. So let's pray. Dear Lord, I ask you to lead us away from temptation to recognize how serious temptation is and how destructive it is. Lord, to flee from it, lead us away from it, that we don't have to, to, to even have those battles. And Lord, for those ones that we are struggling with, I ask you to deliver us. For I ask for myself, I ask for each one here, uh, uh, praying with me, I hope. 
Lord, deliver me from the temptations that have me now. I seek your blessing and your protection. In Jesus' name, amen.